Jesse is a man of God. He has so much enthusiasm. We see him up here Sunday after Sunday, just leading us in praise and worship. He has a heart for people. He walks with integrity. Um, you know, he partners with his wife. He releases her to do what she does. It's just, it's awesome to see this couple thrive. And today he's going to be sharing with us on his, you know, just 10 minutes on his journey with, with, with the Lord and how that's going. And so we really look forward to hearing from you, Jesse. You got a word for us? Yep. An exciting word? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get the mic. There we go. So let's welcome Jesse. It's, it's not easy being up there, so yeah. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Morning. Man, it feels different. <laughs> I think I prefer worship leading than um, <laughs> sharing in front of you guys. No, I'm kidding. Got to take the opportunities, Jesse. Um, so a bit, a bit, a bit of, uh, about myself. Um, Jesse, yep, married to the beautiful Chantal here. Uh, been married for three years. Uh, we've been planted here for three years and still going. Hey. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. There's a lot of um, stuff that I think that I've already shared um, a couple of Sundays ago. But, um, yeah, uh, I'll just break it down this morning because I think I've got two minutes over. Oh, ten. Oh, right. <laughs> All right. Um, so my topic this morning is called Hold On. Hold On. All right. Where am I going with this? And this sort of topic just came in sort of in the brain in the last, I think, an hour ago. Yes, I know. I've been prepping up for, it's funny because you're trying to prep for something during the week, right? And then you get right up until like Saturday night, then boom, it's a whole different, you know, ABA. <laughs> it's like a whole different um, topic that God may want to share with the congregation or everyone this morning. So my reading comes from Genesis 26, 1 to 3, um, and it says here, a severe famine now struck the land, has happened before in Abraham's time. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and will bless you. All right, cool. Go, um, so obviously God specifically tells Isaac not to run to Egypt, where it is comfortable, yes, but to stay where God had put him. Many times when we find ourselves in dry places, the first thing we think of is, I'm getting out of here, or latest, bro, I'm out, or bye, Felicia. <laughs> but um, in my previous rugby team, I was known as the guy that would leave a club to another club. Um, I played four different rugby clubs in Wellington and two different rugby league clubs within Wellington in a space of, don't want to know, um, <laughs> 10, 10 odd years. Um, where am I going there? Cool. So after moving from um, my first, I'll, did a, I'll do a bit of a share about my rugby story. Um, I was playing for a club called Te Aroha Hill, Hills, Te Aroha Eels, um, over in Waifatu in Woburn. Um, I was introduced to the game of rugby league, which was quite different from rugby school. And then I went into a club called um, Randwick Rugby League, and in this Randwick Rugby League, I found myself surrounded by players I looked up to while I was at school. And some of them, um, against in my previous years, the talent there was phenomenal. And to be picked in the premier team, you had to be different from the rest. You had to train more days. Jim was going to be your best friend. 
and YouTubing some rugby highlights, highlights was an everyday thing. During this time, I didn't realize that the club was in a dry season or had been in a dry season, meaning that they haven't won a premiership in 10 plus years. I think the last time they won was 1997, and then me being there um, in my third year where I was very privileged or very honored to captain, we actually won the whole premiership 2012. I think there's a little um, clip up there. There it is. Look at that. That's back in 2012. If you didn't know the guy behind me, that's um, Josh. I think that's um, Ron's brother-in-law from church as well. So at that time, um, during those 10 plus odd years, we had the greatest team in Wellington. And every week by week, the name on the paper or the Dominion Post itself was going to be the team to win that whole year. Year after year, we were labeled as chokers because we were doing so well during the season and then come to the finals or the semifinals, we lost. But in that third year of mine at Randwick Rugby League, we created history or created something different um, nowadays and to remove the label of chokers. Amen. God is good. All right. <laughs> so um, me going towards the story, this is also applying our social or business life. We consider leaving and finding city with booming econ economy. Sometimes we think, if I stay here, I'll dry up and never see the plan of God fulfilled in my life. And people will run from one social media to another, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever, you name it. Activity to another, church to church as well, even city to city, trying to find a place that's not dry. Instead of digging the wells and follow or allow God to use them to bring up refreshing water to dry where they are. What we don't understand is that in many of these dry times, God intends to bring forth the vision he has given you and me. Don't get me wrong, I know that may not always seems to be the case, but there are some times when God prepares us for a new place and allows the old to dry up. The key is to be led by the Spirit of God. If he is not saying anything, then stay and fight. Let's have a look at the result when um, read earlier about Isaac obeying God's command or by staying in the land in Genesis. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. So Isaac did not seek his own way of pleasure by going to the land of ease. So we, by not doing the things that way, seeking our own pleasure or living our own words, but rather honoring God, shall be like a watered garden and spring of life water whose waters do not fail. And I believe that if we do these things that way through us, God will bring his living water to dry and thirsty people out there who need our support. Or even better, journeying with them to know the Christ that we know, who is compassionate, loving, always being, will always be there regardless the mess we ourselves put ourselves in. Voices that lead us into trouble. Yes, I am speaking from experience. Um, so some of the stuff you're going through isn't the enemy coming at you. Sometimes it's orchestrated by God. God pushes you into something that is dry because out of that dryness, God will produce greatness. You ask, why am I struggling with this, man? That I thought he was the one or she was the one. Why am I, why am I at this job that I hate? Why did you bring me here, Lord, just to leave me? 
When you are at a place, you need a word of encouragement. When you're going through that time, you need a word of encouragement. Ask someone who will encourage you and not to be afraid to speak life into you. Someone who will stand firm and you will see what the Lord will bring you in that space of time. God is telling you that there is something coming, something that is amazing, that you will never believe that is, but you have to go through it, yeah? Sometimes we don't want to go through that hard journey, but for this beautiness or to come out, we have to sort of go through the hard process sometimes. And the Lord will fight for you, and I believe God's got you. So my question is, what are you looking at? The stuff that is coming to you or at you? The problems? Or do you look ahead and have faith, know that God will take care of this? If you believe the enemy is always at you, you might become complacent and sometimes dissatisfied. Yet this is the part where I got stuck in for quite some time. Yeah, I've got a whole heap of notes, but I want to leave you with that at the moment. As to hold on to the faith that you have. Help others that who are going through a, a hard time. And if you're having an amazing time at the moment, you're living life to the fullest. You're going from A to Z, no sweat then maybe you could be that person for the other person that's struggling. My encouragement is to stay connected with God, stay faith strong, and just, to, just keep loving on one another. Amen. Thank you, Jesse. Isn't that a word in, in time, in season? How easy do we sometimes give up? We don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And even when we don't see him working, he's working. Even when we don't feel God working, he's working. And he has good things planned for you. You just got to persevere, keep going, keep your eyes on him. And the gold will come out and you'll change your name from chokers to winners. Yeah, great. Thank you for that, Jesse. Are you encouraged? Yeah, I am. Next we have up Abby. Let's welcome Abby to the stage. Abby's quite new to our church family, but, you know, since I've known her, she has this eternal positivity. She's always happy. <laughs> well, that's what she portrays anyway. Yeah. It's always good to be around her because she lifts you up. And so I know you've got a message today that's going to lift us up, right? It's great. Cool. Yep. Let's give it up for Abby. Chris agrees. <laughs> Uh, kia ora everybody, my name is Abby, I'm quite new here but it's all good, um, thanks for that, now I feel like there's pressure now all the time, Chris will be stoked, um, we've been here for ooh, just over six months now I think, um, we've got the little rat bag that runs around at the front and Lily and another one on the way just so that people can satisfy the awkward conversation about if I put on heaps of summer weight. <laughs> It's not quite. Um, so we've got a baby due in four weeks, so that's quite exciting. Ooh, yep. Chris is one of ten, so let's go. Yeah, anyway. Um, so good to be here. Um, I just want to sort of talk a little bit through a little bit of my story and hopefully just to kind of encourage us um, this morning. But um, I guess just to start... Um, I grew up in Hawke's Bay um, at my school. My dad was, who's sitting over here, was the scariest teacher in the whole school. And so 
that was great, having my dad every day at, at school. But anyway, um, when I was at college, I was one of those people that never really settled with a certain group of friends. I kind of jumped from one group to another. I literally was friends with every kind of different group there was um, in the school. One week I would be part of this like cool, chill music kind of let's just sit like in the hot sun, like writing like real emotional music um, in these like dark rooms um, with a couple of other people. The next week I'd be sitting um, with people who were like the little, like the druggy group, but I'd be like, oh yeah, like hang on, like, can I just join your group? This is cool, like let's hang out. Um, and then the next week I'd be hanging out with like the real depressed emo kids that like just wore black and makeup all the time um, to the next week, um, hang out with the semi-popular kids, talking about how rad it was, having that party that I actually didn't go to on that weekend, um, <laughs> laughing at all the losers who didn't go. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm part of this group. So that was me at college. So I, I kind of never really found my fit real well. Um, Sort of didn't really find who I was and who I was really connected with, partly because I was probably a little bit insecure um, about myself, and um, and so I didn't really like people getting too close um, to me and getting to know me well, um, and 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 partly because I just didn't really find who really got me and who I who my people were. Um, so I moved to Wellington um, for my university year in 2006, and I was determined to reinvent myself. Um, I was going to create this new person. I'm like, I'm going to find my people. I'm going to find where I fit. I'm going to find kind of where I belong. And then what happened was that all my friends from college came to the same university hostel as me. And I'm telling you, if you ever know anyone from Hawke's Bay, especially from a little bit high decile, a little bit upper class white school, um, they're a little bit clicky. <laughs> and so in my hostel, we had Hawke's Bay only parties. <laughs> that was it. That was what it was called. It was like the Hawke's Bay floor. And so all of my friends and all these people that came from my school all went into the same hostel and I could not branch out. I could not recreate myself. I just slotted straight back in. I was stuck. I felt like I couldn't branch out. I was in the same trend. I looked exactly the same to exactly the same people. Um, I was already judged, already branded, seen exactly the same as I always had. And I felt like I was unable to break this mold that I was kind of already shaped into. I just want to uh, deviate a little bit, but one of my favorite stories, a couple of years ago, I was um, blessed enough to um, go over to Europe. I've got some family there, and me and a friend of mine went to Rome, and um, we went to go and see um, the big uh, Michelangelo's David sculpture in Florence. And it's probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories actually of of art history. I don't know if there's any art history buffs here, and you might correct me on a couple of missed details. But the story is incredible. Um, there was this massive block of marble, and two guys. Um, in succession were um, commissioned to create a sculpture out of this big block of marble that were actually um, that was actually destined to be part of a, a huge ring of other um, sculptures and so they were commissioned to take this massive block and sculpt something to fit in there um, around this cathedral in Florence but both both of these artists refused to finish the work 
um, they started it, but actually they came to a point where they were like, this marble is so imperfect, it's so marked, there's too many flaws in this, um, we actually don't want to finish the work. They were, they were unable to see the finished product in it. It was chipped, it was marked, they said it was too unstable to hold such a sculpture. And they said it could not be trusted to be formed into something beautiful. It was rejected, abandoned. It looked like garbage. No one wanted it. No one thought anything good could have come out of it. So they rejected it. And so what's interesting about that block of marble is that it sat in this courtyard in Florence for 25 years, being rained on, being just abandoned and just free reign to the wreckage of the environment for 25 years. And so along comes this guy, Michelangelo, 26-year-old guy who had done a little bit of work. And he looked at that marble and he said this, I'm having this. I'm having this block of marble. And now you've got to understand that the community around this time hated this thing. They were like, how do we get rid of this thing? It's so massive. We can't just dump it into the ocean. We can't get rid of it. They, like, no one wanted to take responsibility for this. The government didn't want to take it. The, the, what, the local council <laughs> didn't want to take responsibility for it. The people didn't want to take responsibility. So they just left it there, left it there to rot. And Michael Andrews said, looked at it and he said, I'm having it. I'm having that. I'm going to create something out of that. I can see the masterpiece through this. And I love Fiona talking about that last week at church about God's masterpiece in, in us. And so through the abandonment, even though no one else wanted it, he saw the worth in it. He didn't care if no one else couldn't see it. He was convinced of its beauty. He saw straight through the imperfections and he saw David through that marble. Not only did he see that, when he approached the authorities about taking it on, um, they said, we will pay you to do something with this. We'll pay you to do it. And he said, no, 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 no. Actually, I want to pay you. I want to pay you for this. So they're like, why would you do that? He's like, I see the work in this. And so he got hold of this marble and he sculpted day and night in the rain and the snow and the sun until it was finished. People thought he was crazy, but he saw the worth. And now it's seen as one of the greatest masterpieces ever created. And not only that, but it doesn't sit amongst a row and a ring of other sculptures, but it sits on its own, in its own place. And it's one of the most visited masterpieces in the world. People travel from everywhere to see this thing. It sits on its own. It's picked out. It's handpicked. It's chosen for its own place. It doesn't, was never created just to fit in with a ring of others, but it was hand chosen. I'm going to read real quickly. I know I'm like bouncing all over the show here, but from 1 Peter um, 2, and I apologize I'm reading from the message, so please don't hit me after this, but I quite liked just the wording of it. <laughs> um, and it says this, Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out. This is talking about Jesus. But God set it in the place of honor. And skipping down, it says, You are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly, priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do His work and to speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And I just love hearing those stories together about how we can look so imperfect and we can look so rejected and look so abandoned and things can seem so hopeless, but Jesus 
this. But Jesus sees the masterpiece in that, that Jesus has come to accept us. So here's my life, right? I'm, I'm in Wellington. I'm at university. I'm feeling like I'm in the same mold, the same people around me, the same mentality. Things won't be different. I can't break out from this way of life. And I'm sitting around at uni one day um, in this huge quad of people, hundreds and hundreds of people eating lunch or skipping lectures, whatever, and this girl walks over to me, literally from like miles away, the other side of the university campus, she walks up to me, and she picks me out, comes up to me, and she just says, hey, um, I don't know if you're busy right now, and I was waiting for a mate, and um, she says, can I talk to you about Jesus? And I just said, let's go. <laughs> and uh, we talked, and it was literally like Jesus picked me out of the crowd, that's, that, that is what happened that day. I did nothing. I did nothing to warrant that. Jesus pointed at me and said, you are the one that I want. I didn't jump through a single hoop. I didn't clean up a single thing in my life. But Jesus saw me. He came for me. He saw the imperfections and the marble. He saw the, the brokenness and the marks. And he came for me anyway. He saw my history, and he said, you're the masterpiece in that marble. It was literally the move of God. Isn't it amazing that God has eyes on you before you even realize it? That God has picked you up before you even know. God is in control before you even recognize him. He sees more of you than you do. <laughs> that day, he saw more of me than I did. I had no idea. I was blindsided. <laughs> And I met Jesus that day, and I walked into church that Sunday, and I've been there, been in church ever since. That was 14 years ago, and it has just changed my life. I just want to finish real quickly with um, this story, um, the story in John 5, that kind of reminds me of that story of Michelangelo. Um, and, and that story in John 5 about the sick man by the pool who was unable to get into the healing waters of the pool. He'd been sitting there for 38 years, like this marble sitting there for 25 years. He was sitting there for 38 years, hopeless, abandoned, rejected, and eyesore on the community, separated from the people. Let me encourage us today that Jesus is not intimidated by our sense of hopelessness. He is not discouraged by our discouragement. He is not put off by our excuses or our imperfections. He's not afraid of how long we've been sitting there. He is not consumed by our imperfections, he did, nor does he start something that he's not prepared to finish. He's not nervous or constrained by anything about our situation or history. Jesus walks straight up to that situation. He walks straight into that crowd and handpicks that situation of that man that looks so hopeless, so rejected, so abandoned, so impossible, and says, I have made a way for you. When you have no way to get in the pool, when there is no hope that things can be different, when you've lost confidence that things can get better, when there seems no way forward, when you're so stuck in your thinking, when everyone has abandoned you, rejected you, and you cannot do enough out of the situation, Jesus says, when you can't get into the water, I am the living water. I have come to you. When you can't move, when you can't get yourself to where you think you need to be, I have come to you. This is why I'm here. I am not intimidated by your situation. I am coming to you. I've handpicked you. I've chosen you with every scar, every hurt, every imperfection, every illness. My grace doesn't need you to be first. My grace doesn't need you to be in the right place at the right time with the right abilities, with the right 
opportunities to get yourself from A to B. My grace has got you. I've done it for you. At the cross, you don't need to lie anymore. You don't need to stay in this place. And that would be my encouragement for us today. It doesn't matter how stuck you think you are. If you think your situation will never change, you're just rolling in this cycle round and round, giving up, that ho- giving up hope that things can be different, that you can be a different person, that your life can change. There are too many mistakes, too many scars, too many imperfections. You are too crippled. Like all this story, all these stories, the simple answer and the simple message that Pastor Michael talks about all the time is the simplicity of Jesus. It's the simplicity of Jesus. It's nothing you can do. Jesus is enough. Jesus is all. Jesus is you, and Jesus has come for you. So I hope that that's kind of encouraging a little bit about my story, but um, yeah, <laughs> thanks. Wow, 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 wow. How do I even sum that up? Thank you so much, Abby. What a great reminder. I am who he says I am that he comes after you. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. He is chasing you down. He wants you to be the best that you could be. You are not a mistake. That's it, no matter what your life looks like, what circumstances, experiences, God loves you. He'll accept you just the way you are. It makes me quite emotional to hear that. Has anybody had an encounter yet with God today? Do you feel him here? I love it. Thank you so much, Abby. What an encouraging word. God goes after you. It doesn't matter. Come as you are. He accepts you. Wow. Let's give it up for Abby again. Next, we're going to invite Dorian up. Dorian lives life on the edge. She lives with transparency. Well, that's how I see you, Dorian. Always a smile on her face. Always wanting to speak into your life, to lift you up. She goes straight to the point. You share something with her, she goes straight to it, and she says, this is what God says. This is what God says about you. This is how I see it. And so, Dorian, we're just looking forward to hearing what you have to share with us, because I know it's going to be uplifting. It's going to be challenging. I was thinking you've used up my 10 minutes. I can just be quiet. (laughs) So let's welcome Dorian to the stage. Hallelujah. Gosh, God is here this morning. He's here with us. Of course, he's here with us all the, every morning. These steps are a blessing. Who made these steps? Barry. Barry. Yes. Hallelujah. You are a blessing. Thank you. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles or your phones or your tablets, just go to Job 38. Uh, and then, you know, you can keep up. In 2004, I lost my marriage. I had to sell a house in Moa Point. Sivs, what are Sivs called now? Beautiful. Took custody of our six children. And in order to prove that I was a sound mum, I had to give up my nursing career to become a stay-at-home mum. And when I proved, so I proved that I was a good mum six months later, and my children were returned to us. So in essence, I lost my husband, my children, my home, and my career. I so wish I could stand here before you today, and that my response was like Job, 
who said in Job 1, 21, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Instead, to my shame, my response was, well, if this means, if this is what it means to follow Jesus, I have prayed and I have fasted, I've served you faithfully, I cleaned toilets, we had life group in our home, I can even pray in tongues. If this is what, where I end up with you, I choose a different life. Can you hear the religious spirit that God delivered me from during cleansing streams? Yes. And for a while, I didn't talk to God. Can you picture this? Doreen giving God the silent treatment. I am not talking to you, God. <laughs> you can just go away. Very sad, church, very sad. So when the pain is so great and you're, you are so deluded that God is not loving and kind and good. So there you are in Job 38, 1. Then the Lord answers Job from the whirlwind. Who is this? that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. God then proceeds to ask the questions, and here we go, team, in Job 38. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear? Where does the light come from? Where does the darkness go? Can you direct the movement of the stars? Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic. But do you have the answers? And then I, Doreen, returned to him. Because God is so good. I asked him to forgive me. I repented of giving him the silent treatment, not trusting in him, and in my hour of need, choosing my own way. I asked him to forgive me. Then in Matthew 6.14, it says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Then I heard him to ask me to forgive my first husband. In Luke 17, 2, it says, It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to sin. This is the plan I had for my first husband. I thought that would be a good idea for him, just in case you think I now was wanting to, you know, asking forgiveness from God that I've become this holy person. I, I, it was a little bit of a journey because this is 2004, don't forget. This is now 2021, so it's taken a little while. So that's where I started 
God asked me to forgive my first husband. I said, Lord, give me the desire to forgive him. I am unable to. Please give me the desire. He then, um, because he is so kind, he is so kind. And God didn't have a millstone around my first husband's neck that was not in his plan. God loves my first husband. Um, and he loves him as much as he loves me. He is, Jesus is kind. He's gentle and merciful. I was unable to forgive. I didn't even have the desire to forgive. But Jesus took care of that. It took a little time to, you know, forgive completely. Every month, a monthly deposit of $70 child support uh, to care for our six children would come into my account, which was an opportunity for God to do a good work in me and to enable me to forgive and keep forgiving to the point where I stand here before you today completely free, and I say I can pray a blessing on my first husband's life. Jesus died for him just as much, and he remains the father of our children, and without him, I would not know them. So I'm truly grateful for that. Okay. During this time as a single mum, working part-time, I felt that sometimes I needed five minutes to myself in the day. Mums can relate to this. I just want five minutes. Now, instead of turning to Jesus and saying, Lord, I just need five minutes of peace, I took that into my own hands. Thank you. I decided to take up smoking. Five minutes of smoking. The kids hated it. They hated it. I'd be sitting out on the porch after work, put up, light up a cigarette, and, you know, have some peace and quiet. That I just want to show you how broken I am. That in my own mind and in my own cleverness, that was a solution. Of course, uh, then it became an addiction, which I continued to be addicted with long after the children left home. One morning, I sat outside with my cigarette, having a quiet time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, and this is where Cleansing Stream is so fabulous, I had a revelation. How bizarre, Doreen. You are smoking and you're breathing in Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, you want to sit, Jesus to sit with you. And you're puffing all this nicotine out into the thing. Okay, but it's an addiction, right? We all have broken areas in our life. We all have blind spots that we can't see. And so I went to Cleansing Streams, and I, um, I was able to have a revelation. I don't want to smoke anymore. I renounced it. I broke it. I resisted it because I no longer buy cigarettes. And now I rest. Church, I rest. I rest in the presence of God, and I'm completely free. I can go into a bar. I can be at a party, and I, can, I have, can have a glass of wine, and I no longer have a craving. And so look at that religious spirit, spirit of, of addiction. This is, is freedom. So we go now going to Job 42, 12. So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. Because, church, we are on a journey, and 
when you surrender your life to Christ, he just takes us. He just takes us. Today, I have a wonderful second husband. Of course, I still have my beautiful six children. One son-in-law, a nursing career, which is such a blessing in care of the elderly, and a beautiful home. He's provided this home for us. I was lost, and now I am found. Praise his holy name. I continue on in him, surrendering, trusting, discovering, wondering. I pray for my family to be restored and healed so that they are able to rest in him completely free from the effects that happened to our family in 2014. He is so good. Praise God. No, no, I'm finished. I'm finished. I'm finished. Ten minutes. There you go. <laughs> Ten nurses' minutes. That's half an hour. <laughs> I, I don't know how to do this. I feel, I feel with beautiful Jesse and Abby in the sharing of how good Jesus has been in our lives, and I know how He wants to set you free in your lives. I wonder, shall we respond? Shall we come and say, Lord, there are people here who can pray with you. I would love to pray with you. If you feel that you don't know Jesus or you think that Jesus has deserted you because there's been something in your life that has happened, if you feel that you are this block of marble that nothing beautiful is in, or if you feel like Jesse shared, you're a loser, if you feel called in your heart to respond to Jesus' love, please feel free to come, and we'd love to pray for you. Thanks, Dorian. What a message. It's a message of hope. You know, God, he's always pursuing you. And we can just have the worship team, you're welcome to come up, and let's get ready to go into communion. And, um, you know, we, we forgive because God forgave us first. We don't forgive to let the other person off. Forgiveness is for us, for us to start our journey towards healing. Sometimes that person is not around for you to go and confront them and to say, you need to forgive me. It's not, it's not what it's about. It's for us forgiving them, releasing them, so we can start on our journey on healing and wholeness. If you don't forgive, just bitterness will overtake you. And as Dorian shared, it's, it's a journey of deep discovery, of walking with God, of even when he's not there, he's still there. And we can never, ever get to know God completely. You can never arrive, never, ever arrive. He's there with you each and every day. He wants to do it with you. And as Dorian said, you know, if there's something that you want to come and give to God today, if any other messages Jesse shared, where you're an overcomer, you're a winner, where Abby shared, God wants you just as you are. There's no condemnation. He sees you as you are, as he created you to be. Then this altar is open. We're gonna go into communion at the moment and the worship team is gonna lead us in worship. But I want you to be encouraged that this is a safe place. You know, the Bible says if you have something against your brother, go and sort it out before you come and have communion. I encourage you, go and forgive. Take a moment right now to spend with God, to have an encounter with him, to have a moment with him, to say, Lord, these messages have spoken to me today. Which one of them has spoken to you that you are worthy, that you need to forgive somebody, that you can overcome, no matter when it looks dark, 
take a moment just to reflect on that. And as the worship team leads us into worship and you come forward, come with a heart of expectation. Come with a heart of gratitude. Come with a heart of anticipation. Come and be in the presence of God. This is a safe place. Come as you are. Just come as you are before God. He accepts you. He loves you. Thank you, church. Let's have communion together.